Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Truth About Trucking, live, hosted by Alan Smith, a 30-year OTR veteran, business entrepreneur, and motor carrier transportation consultant, specializing in assisting students and new drivers, and pushing forward to raise the standards of the trucking industry. And now, live from beautiful Citrus County, Florida, here's your host, Alan Smith. Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. Today is Thursday, February 17, 2011. And our call-in number is 347-826-9170 if you'd like to be a part of the program. And I am Alan Smith along with my partner and co-host Donna Smith. And uh, joining us this evening is Lucinda Coulter, Managing Editor for Overdrive Magazine, which is celebrating its 50th year anniversary, having been a leader in providing the industry with trucking news since 1961. And also with us is John Baxter, the Equipment Editor for Overdrive and Truckers News Magazines. And we'll be taking a look at technology and how it has changed through the years. So we're uh, going down trucking's memory lane this evening. It's going to be a fun show, kind of a different show from what we normally do. And um, it's uh, Donna. I see you there. You still there? I'm here. Okay, so it's going to be kind of a different show. So we're looking forward to it. And again, our number three four seven eight two six nine one seven zero. Lucinda Coulter and John Baxter, our special guests with Overdrive Magazine from OverdriveOnline.com. So from reporting about a truck parking problem back in 2003 to the introduction of the Jake brake and the turbocharged diesel engine. We're going to take it down a nostalgic trip with Overdrive Magazine, 50 Years of Trucking, coming up on Truth About Trucking Live. Hey, everybody. Alan Smith here with Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. Have you been driving a big rig for a while now and considering starting your own business as an owner-operator? Well, Lone Mountain Truck Leasing offers the best lease purchase plan in the industry. With a small down payment and monthly payments around $1,000 or less, you make the monthly payment, and when the final payment is made, they hand over the title. It really is that simple. There is no big balloon payment at the end, and secondly, the truck is yours, not a lease plan under one truck and company. So if becoming an owner-operator is your goal, do it the right way. Do it the best way. Contact Lone Mountain Truck Leasing on the web at LoneMountainTruck.com or give them a call toll-free at 866-512-5685. That's LoneMountainTruck.com. And be sure to tell them that you heard about them on Truth About Trucking Live. Okay, welcome back. Our show this evening, Overdrive Magazine, 50 Years of Trucking. Lucinda Coulter, Managing Editor of Overdrive, and John Baxter, Equipment Editor, are our guests. And we welcome them both now to the show. Lucinda, I see you there. How are you doing? 
I'm doing great, Alan, and uh, just thanks so much for inviting me to to be on tonight and letting giving us an opportunity to talk about Overdrive Retro and our first 50 years. Well, glad to have you here, and and John, I see you hanging on there. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Alan. It's uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I think I love the technology, and uh, I don't think people appreciate how much. Uh, uh, not only money has been spent, but how much pain was uh, people went through to develop this stuff, so that we have trucks today that get the kind of fuel economy they get, and have the kind of power they have. Yeah, we've been going over through some of the past uh, issues, and it, yeah, it's, it's going to be a great show. We're glad to have you both here, and and uh, when we have more than one guest, just everyone just feel free to jump in at any time, as we'll just uh, make this an open okay. line discussion. But of course, we'll. We'll make it ladies first, as always. So, Donna, let's bring you in here because you've been going back and forth with Lucinda for a while and have seen that Overdrive magazine has reported on topics that we're still talking about today, even going back 15, 20 years ago or so. Oh, yeah. Um, Lucinda, hi. I want to say hi to you and hi, John. Hi, Donna. Oh. Hi, Donna. And, hey, John. Um I was uh, reading some of the things, some of the issues um, over the years, and I found it amazing that, um, that a lot of things haven't changed, um, like the parking issues. I'm looking at something now from 1987, or eight, July of 88, and the title of it was No Room to Rest. Um, I, it's like I could have picked this up and you would have thought it was 2011. The same article. Absolutely, Donna. I was at a uh, an event in Connecticut a few years ago that Mack Trucks sponsored. Uh, they were um, introducing the final version of one of their classic uh, conventional tractors and selling it to a guy who had run Mack tra- uh, Trash Trucks his whole career and had a tremendous collection of old trucks. And he had a 30s tractor with a very early Cummins diesel in it and a five-speed transmission and on the dash was this notice trying to get drivers not to idle and I'm thinking well that hasn't changed you know not at all <laughs> and as, as oh go ahead John no that's it I mean you you know it's it's the issue has existed since then and I just couldn't believe it yes uh, and as far as the parking, that the No Room to Rest article that uh, Rita Bontz wrote, and uh, I think it was, like Donna says, in 1988, uh, one feature I noticed about that story was um, the uh, deputy traffic engineer with the Maryland Department of Transportation then, Tom Hicks, was interviewed for that story, and he um, he is quoted as, Saying that it's that parking in Maryland, um, and all of us know along on that busy, busy section of the I-95 corridor there, that um, in 1988 truck parking was a serious problem. And um, just to illustrate that, that um, some of the chronic problems stay the same or get worse. In a story, June 2009. uh, Story that I wrote in Overdrive, um, not too um, not too soon after I'd become managing editor here, 
I interviewed um, Ed Miller with the Maryland Department of Transportation about the very same problem. Uh, and um, I think listeners know well um, since 2009 and the the um, impact that Alan and Donna had on uh, parking and on the the turnaround uh, in Virginia for the rest areas to remain open, um, and and that's of course related to the problems truckers have finding enough adequate parking. So I think you're something... referring to that show with Jeffrey Caldwell, the DOT. Yes. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. I um, I listened to that interview. That was just um, it was a timely interview and. So many truckers were, um, you know, were alerted to, became more conscious of the problems they faced because of because of the um, the possibility in Virginia that all of those rest areas would be closed. So um, it is it's a it's a problem that's um, had to, you know, it's, it's not going away anytime soon. That's for sure. There yeah, that was been... that was that was that was something else that two hour and um, there's still some places from what I understand that they still have limited two hour parking. Well, that's, one thing too true. on that too on that show too, Donna. You know, you got to bring in, um, you know, Fred Schaffner and the American Driver dot com they were on top of it. And boy, Fred, he just he just kept hounding them till like I think they just wanted to pull their hair out. Oh, absolutely. I was going to bring that up, too. That was the next thing. <laughs> but I'm glad you said that. Um, he had been – Fred had been very active in uh, writing um, just letters and letters uh, to, to to everybody uh, in, in Congress, um, the, the BDOT, the Department of Transportation, everywhere. And then JB was out. Um, he did the physical. He would go to the to the meetings and and he would speak there. And I remember that um, I had written Jeff Jeffrey Caldwell that night before the show and explained to him the serious dilemma. And had received the day of the show at 9 a.m. Uh, his response saying that he would come on that show and gladly speak with everybody. So, yeah, that was very memorable, and um, that tells you how long this parking situation has been going on. I I do have that um, article in front of me that you were referring to, Lucinda, No Room Mm -hmm. to Rest. And Mm -hmm. the thing, there's three things that stuck out with me. And I, I just want to read them. And, and like I said, this is as though we're picking up a paper in 2011 and reading it. It yeah. says, every state highway official overdrive interviewed said they realize there's not enough areas where truckers can park to rest. They also pointed out that land for additional facilities is expensive and hard to find. Then in another area... It says the police officers overdrive asked about the truck parking shortage said it creates a tremendous dilemma for them. They must deal with this question. Should we send a a tired driver back out on the road or let him park on the roadside and run the risk of having someone run into the back of the vehicle? Same problems we have today. And here's the third one. 
Ed mentioned that a high number of fatalities have occurred along Interstate 80 in northern New Jersey because of vehicles running into trucks parked on the highway shoulders. So these are the same problems, um, and and actually I believe this is when the FMCSA started their studies on the uh, truck parking shortages. And, uh, I mean, it, it's been going on for how many years now, over about 10, 15 years, that these same confirmed studies for truck parking shortages. So, um, uh, you know, it's just amazing that it, it yeah. is. There's, well, that's there's how, been, that's how, go ahead. There's been some progress made, and uh, Overdrive has reported on some of that in the last um in the last six years, but uh, based on, like, as you say, Donna, at least 15 years of studies, at least, based on some of those studies, now there are uh, DOT-funded pilot projects, especially uh, with these um, multi-state coalitions of the I-95 corridors on the East Coast and the the I-5 corridor on the West Coast uh, to help alleviate some of the uh, some of the parking problems, um, and we've reported on that. But there, you know, the the um, technology of the the real time technology that helps assess where there are parking places that truckers can use is um, is something that that when you talk to the experts involved in these that they look very promising. So it's slow it's it's um it seems it's I know a chronic problem but at least uh the the Department of Transportation is working on it it sounds like now. And and when you talk to you know when I interviewed um I mentioned Ed Miller with the uh Department of Transportation in Maryland. Uh he's been there, he's a veteran uh, he's a former owner-operator. He's been with the Maryland Department of Transportation for at least 20 years, and he's he's uh, some encouraged now by by the, these projects. Okay, well that's good. Plus, nowadays now we also have the added problem of the rest areas closing down. So yes. <laughs> that's you know adding to the whole. Uh, the whole mix, um, and then we have the transportation bill, which you know needs to be funded. So there's there's a lot of things cooking in this pot. Oh, well, yeah. you know it's it's real fun go go to the go go through these past issues. I mean, and we're talking about how how funny it is, how so many things haven't changed. I was looking in one of your issues, Lucinda, that you sent. Uh, I think it was in September of 2001. Mm-hmm. And uh, a trucking company was uh, was in there advertising their starting rate, and I won't say their name. I mean they're they're a good company. They're still a good company today, but I just found it funny. This was in September 2001, and they were advertising a starting pay at 38 cents per mile. And so I went to their website today, nearly 10 years later, and uh, their starting pay is 38 cents a mile. So there's just oh another thing there that, you know, here we are 10 years later, and and that's a big thing for drivers because, they're you know, they're always, you know, the wages just haven't changed that much. Yes. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> and I, I found it fun, too, when we were looking at um, uh, Overdrive Retro, uh, I think they, y'all had a, a video on there that had Bill Mack, you know, the legendary 
talk radio host, and he said that he often used Overdrive magazine to prep for his shows, you know, and he's been around a long time. What do you think has made Overdrive the magazine it is and, you know, and has endured for 50 years? Well, Alan, that's a good question. I think, and this is from my perspective of, of um, having the honor to to have this assignment to work on the history um, of the magazine during our during our golden anniversary. Uh, I am so struck by the quality of the writers over the years, uh, from the very beginning to the present. Uh, the the of course they the the writers and the reporters have changed over the years, but always from the beginning there was attention to um, what John Baxter represents to us uh, has for many years today the technical expertise um, he people who uh, not know just about trucking but about machinery and how it works and that capacity to be able to explain how things work, the process of of even um you know, putting making trucks. Um the the work the just the the thought put behind what went into every issue, um the the consciousness of the the, the political arena reporting on politics as as far as it um, affects trucking and, and freight, um, and the the w- wide range of columnists over the years, you know, we've um, after uh, the magazine was purchased by Randall Riley, the magazine made a transition from uh, so much advocacy of the independent owner-operator to a business magazine, to how an owner-operator can run a successful business. But uh, at the same time, there's there's a strong emphasis on um, equipment, you know, because that that truck is the the owner-operator's world. That's his business. So um, I've just been struck by the wide variety of, um, kinds of reporters over the years. Um, and, and second point I'd like to make about Overdrive is that, to me, I mean, for, from my perspective, there's always been attention to the photography. Um, as as the technology improved across the nation, as, as far as photographic technology improved, Overdrive's um, Photo quality improved as well, but the attention to the subject, the kinds of trucks um, that there are photos of, even in the late even in the 60s, um, you know, Mike Parkhurst and the the editors involved with the early Overdrive went out and sought good photographers. They sought photographers. Stan Holtz is um, a photographer from that era. Um, Russ McNeil, uh, who has many photos on Hank's truck photo site, Russ McNeil had several photos in um, the old overdrives. And, but they found people who were just passionate photographers on, 
for this specific subject. They found photographers who were just passionate about trucks. They love taking photos of trucks. And, you know, you can, that's what our John Baxter is like. He loves technology. Um, Anytime there we have a question about technology, we go to John uh, because he loves what he does. And um, I think that just in any given department of overdrive, you can see that passion um, for, uh, for, you know, the reporters or the photographer's subject. Um, another uh, staffer who comes to mind uh, in in these early days is, um, uh, I can't remember his first name, uh, uh, Paul Gepner, uh, who I think that's his first name. Mr. Gepner was the art director for Overdrive in the, in uh, from I think 1966 through 1986, and his cartoons would bring a reader in. He sympathized with the owner operator's problems. Uh, he he knew how to illustrate those. Um, in a cartoon that would make the point strikingly, um, you know, on half a page and, and get a reader tuned in to to um, to the story or to the cartoon, and um, he he did all those drawings by hand, uh, you know, with no wow. computer um, with no computer aid. And in some of those early issues, he would have I've counted as many as ten drawings. Uh, so uh, there's a story, in fact, on on my Overdrive Retro about uh, Mr. Gepner. His one of his children, uh, who now lives in California, uh, called or she emailed me about him, and uh, she I guess that's the point that struck me was that he was so passionate about his work. She volunteered that, and she remembers him working at at a table in the kitchen uh singing while he was would be working on his illustrations and um she just said that he really you know if he was singing you knew he was happy and she said that he would just um you know really he really gave his heart to that work he just he just loved it and he loved trucks and that's a, so many of us um over the years in the in the 50 years of overdrive we may not be trekkers ourselves but we um but it's pretty easy to love that culture um and and when when you read overdrive you just you get pulled in yourself so yeah and you can see you can see definitely see that passion in the in the magazine and and you know we get a lot of newcomers you know listening to the show and you know, they're, they always ask me a lot of questions about trucking, and one of the things I always tell them is to, you know, you really want to learn about trucking, read. You know, read, just read everything you can, and the magazines like Overdrive are just, you know, the best out there, and you can just learn so much just from that magazine. And like I said, the passion you're speaking about definitely comes through, and, and obviously it's done well because you're here 50 years and you're still going. So, okay, we'll take a short break, and when we come back, we'll t- we'll take a look at the changing face of technology with our guest John Baxter and but but first I want to tell you about transproducts.com because with the CSA and all the regulations facing drivers in the industry 
We know it's never been more important to stay up on current regs and more specifically remain in constant compliance. And compliance for drivers and industry has never been more crucial than it is today. Now, trans products and trans services are your full-service transportation material compliance supply and regulatory service for pro uh, providers since 1957. So they've been a around a while, too. So they're dedicated to servicing your needs and not emptying your wallet because it's hard enough in these tough uh, times we're facing economically to have to spend money to meet regulatory requirements. But with trans products and trans service uh, friendly sound advice, quality products, and friendly personal attention, they'll make you feel like you have a friend and a colleague in the industry. And we can go back from logbook auditing to driver qualification file management, fuel tax filing to UCR filings, from on-site training to technical service. I mean, you name it, trans services is like having an entire regulatory agency working just for you. And the products and the forms, the documents, training materials, and supplies are like going to your fully stocked supply closet and having everything you need in stock and readily available for you. It's their quick personal service and prompt delivery takes the worry out of having what you need when you need it in this just-in-time inventory control environment that we're all living in these days. And the friendly, courteous people at Trans Products are a bonus in an otherwise hectic, busy day. There's no unsolicited, interrupting telemarketers when it's most inconvenient. And their night leather division can supply you with all your transportation leather goods from wallets to logbooks. Uh, to permit holders, and custom orders and imprints are their specialties. And Rich Wilson and his staff of on-site regulatory specialists relieve concerns of misinterpreting how you are supposed to comply with personal service from years and years of combined experience and communication. And your drivers as well as company CEOs will be trained with the understanding of what, when, why, and how to comply without total interruption of daily operations. So contact Trans Products or Trans Services and Night Leather for more information and a free catalog. You can do so by calling toll-free at 1-800-367-9100 or on the web at transproducts.com and request more information about products and services. Stay up on the ever-changing regulations and always be in compliance with the best one out there. That's Trans Products. Dot com. Now, we'll take a quick break, and when we return, we'll continue our trip celebrating 50 years of trucking with Overdrive Magazine, and we're going to hear more about all this technology with our guest, John Baxter, and we will be right back. Alan Smith here with Truth About Trucking Live and AskTheTrucker.com. Remember the late 60s and the 1970s when songs about trucking, the truck driver, and the trucking way of life was all over the radio? Songs like Six Days on the Road, Teddy Bear, and of course the number one hit by C.W. McCall, Convoy. Well, the lifestyle of the American trucker is once again making its way into the world of music and the dreams that legends are made of. Songwriters Barry Allen and David Ayers of Allen and Ayers Productions, along with artist John Johnson, have produced the first music CD since the mid-70s dedicated to all the men and women of trucking. The CD is a savvy, up-to-date collection of original songs relating to present-day issues that truckers face on a daily basis. Songs like Don't Get Hooked on Dak, The Trucking Brand, Say a Prayer for Jason, and of course the smash hit When the Big Rigs Don't Roll. Be sure to get your copy of When the Big Rigs Don't Roll CD or you can download just the songs that you want. 
Just visit askthetrucker.com and you'll find the music player right on our website. Individual songs are only 99 cents each or to receive the entire collection, just a small cost of only $15. The hard copy of the CD is scheduled to be released in August 2010. These are all new, original trucking songs that will keep you running down the highway, saluting all of our nation's truckers who keep America moving. When the Big Rigs Don't Roll Trucking CD Release, produced by Allen and Ayers Productions. All right, welcome back to Truth About Trucking Live. Now, before we continue, I have to tell all you, uh, you truckers out there about a great site also that offers a great service. And we all know that long-haul truckers can run hard and cover more ground faster than anyone else on the road, but there are those times when you just want to grab a nice hotel room and get out of that truck for a while. Even if it's just for one day per month, a restful night in a hotel can do wonders, but finding a hotel that accommodates big truck parking, we all know, can be a problem. Well, not anymore. If you're tired of not being able to find a place to take a break or the truck stops and the rest areas are full at night or you just want to take a break from the sleeper, hotelsfortruckers.org will help you find a hotel where you can fit in. Choose from thousands of trucker-friendly hotels across America that accommodates a 75-foot long tractor trailer and receive great discounts and specials through hotelsfortruckers.org. And if you're traveling with a pet or a smoking preference or need laundry facilities, the free information at hotelsfortruckers.org includes an extensive database to locate the address, phone number, and direct web links to the hotels. We've been needing this for a long time. So if you use a hotel at least one time a year, then you can take advantage of the $10 annual membership fee, which allows easy access to view hotels, which offer additional CDL trucker discounts and nationwide hotel chain discounts and room coupon specials. Hotelsfortruckers.org's database is, is um, comprised of the most extensive list of properties that offer the most needed trucker amenities. So visit the website Hotelsfortruckers.org to find the hotel that is right for you. Hotelfortruckers.org was built by a trucker for truckers to help you get in where you fit in. That's Hotels, the number four, truckers.org. Hotelsfortruckers.org. Check it out. So we're okay we're celebrating with overdrive magazine with 50 years of trucking news lucinda coulter and john baxter are our special guests you can check it out at overdriveonline.com and um john let's bring you in here because we were talking about technology you know some of the things you sent us um i really like the uh the story about the jake break okay uh, you know we kind of all uh you know, we all know what the Jake break is, and, you know, we know kind of know what it do, does, but uh, I didn't even know the story behind that thing. Um, tell us a little bit about that. It's a, it's a fascinating story. I don't know if anybody, if the people out there know this, but I think it's it's just amazing that Clissy Cummins, who was the, the father of the highway diesel, the engine that he developed, ended up, uh, well, pretty much the diesels as of 2009, the overhead camshaft, uh, the unit injectors, uh, this, uh, the engine that existed at that time was the closest, uh, uh, the closest to his development. Uh, he he came closer than anybody early on. 
to develop that kind of engine. He was a kid who never went past eighth grade. He couldn't stand school. I guess it was too boring for him. The uh, German PhDs who were at the top of the diesel industry told him he could never build a diesel engine that would turn fast enough to be usable in transportation, uh, not an efficient one anyway. And uh, he said, oh, that just isn't true. And he accomplished that himself. Well, in building this, his engines and testing them, uh, he ended up on a uh, in a runaway truck. Uh, the, uh, the I don't know whether the brakes were out of adjustment or whether it was just a hill that nobody had planned for, but this truck was racing down a road down a mountain with uh, virtually no brakes, and there was a grade crossing ahead with a freight train crossing. And uh, they just didn't know what was going to happen, the people in that truck. And fortunately, the caboose went by just before they had to pass over the grade crossing. And Cummins and the other people in the truck survived. They apparently got to the bottom of the hill, the grade leveled off, and they were okay. But after that, he swore that he was going to find a way to make the engine hold the truck back because uh, diesel is very different from a car engine. I never understood this until fairly recently, but the thing that makes a car engine, well, at least in the old days, they, they really slowed the car down when you took your foot off the gas before the, the age of emission controls. The thing that makes it slow the car down is the throttle, which makes it very hard for the piston to come down and draw the air in. Well, Cummins thought about this because a, a diesel uh, when you back off on the throttle, it's bringing in the air. It doesn't take a lot of effort because there's no throttle. It compresses the air, and then it expands, and you get almost all the energy back. So the only loss that you really have is a little bit of friction. And when you're talking about a truck engine with 80,000 pounds behind it, it doesn't do a lot to slow the truck. And, of course, we all know that brakes at least have the potential to overheat unless everything is perfectly in adjustment. And if you run into enough of a hill, they're going to overheat anyway. So Cummins thought about this, and genius that he was, after inventing the engine, pretty much the engine that we know today, he found a way to reverse the, the effect of it and make it a very powerful brake. And his his concept was based on the fact that at that time, both Cummins and Detroit diesels had a center uh, camshaft lobe on each cylinder that activated the injector. And he figured out how to cross from one cylinder to the other hydraulically. And each piston, when it came up uh, on compression near the top, uh, the injector of an, an alternate cylinder, probably the adjacent cylinder, would open the exhaust valves for just, uh, you know, 15 degrees or something like that, blow off all the pressure in the cylinder, and then close again so that the energy, instead of being returned to the piston on the way back down, was thrown away, and then the piston would have to work like hell to pull down, very much like the throttle in the gasoline engine. So the effect, of course, is that when that Jake is working right and designed right, you have virtually the same horsepower that the engine produces going forward, going backwards. And the thing that the, the thing that really makes it a success is the fact that it does not overheat. It puts a lot less heat through that engine than it gets than, than it has to deal with normally. 
So unlike and, the and brakes, that slows the engine down. Is that right, John? Absolutely. It just reverses the torque. Yeah. But it's it's the same horsepower. Most Jake brakes are very close to the power rating of the engine, but it's in reverse. You know, it's it's working against the motion of the truck. But the advantage to it is that not only does it add to the service brakes, but it will never overheat. There's not enough energy going through that engine with the Jake on to even uh, you know heat it the way it does cruising down the highway. So it's a very safe system, and uh, it really irks me when I see all these signs on the roads, especially today, now that jakes are often very quiet, that say mm-hmm. no jakes, because, uh, you know, I mean, what's going on here? You want the truckers not to be safe? I don't think it makes any sense. But well, it's a marvelous development born of uh, fear. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, that's... That's what's so, uh, and that's what was so interesting to me about that story because I mean, you know, I, you know, always known the Jake break. I didn't know the, yeah. I didn't know Classic Cummins invented it. But what's fascinating about that story too is um, that Classic Cummins, you know, you sent this to me here. I'm just looking it over. Actually, came up with the idea, and you know, and this is you know Overdrive Retro, so we're going back in time yeah. here. But he came up with the idea for the Jake break in 1957. And actually um, talked about the project being under development in a 1967 book called My Days with a Diesel. So he was really ahead of his time. Absolutely, absolutely. He was always 20 to 30 years or more ahead of his time, and uh, just a rare, rare genius. Oh yes. And now, um, and John, I, I and Alan, I'd like to uh, make sure that your listeners know on the Overdrive Retro dot com site they can read about um the 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 um jacob's engine brake that john has just described um under a section on the website called equipment innovations um john and a committee well and john you may want to just to um to talk about this about the 50 products you've chosen for this, um, for the 50th uh, anniversary commemoration of of the greatest trucking equipment inventions or, or innovations, Absolutely. Uh, and we're listing those on on the website. Um, and John has written a, a you know a an explanation of, about or a passage about each of these um, innovations. Now, and that is, that's on OverdriveOnline.com. It is. Well, it's it is. It's on OverdriveRetro.com. I have um, the link. I'll post it out on uh, Facebook. I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. OverdriveRetro.com. Okay. Right. I wanted to ask a question, and being not being a sure. trucker, um, I heard John say there was a sign that said "No Jake." Why? Oh, they're all over the place. Yeah, you see them many, many, many places, and. The the theory is, and it has some basis, I must admit, uh, especially if the driver runs straight pipes or he's, you know, he wants a nice loud sound and he has mufflers that don't have a lot of restriction, uh, the Jake brake can make a lot of noise. It's a very loud popping noise. It can be almost louder than the truck itself or the engine itself when it's working. But the the latest brakes and the latest exhaust systems, especially when you have a diesel particulate filter, really get rid of that noise 
And to me, the idea of restricting a trucker on a straight highway, a state a state highway, and keeping him from using what amounts to a safety device, yeah. is is just a little bit arrogant. Uh, I understand it up to a point if uh, maybe he's gone through a very small town and houses a raid close to the road or something, but really, it's a little bit a little bit arrogant. Um, and that's what anyway, they use I would it. like to. That's what they use it mostly for, John. I mean, this this scale out here on I-75, just outside of Ocala, they have a no-break sign when you're going through the scale because there just happens to be some residential houses there. But I don't think those houses yeah. are even close enough to even be worried about it. But they they do it a lot of times just, you know, for like you were saying, resident, you know, to keep it quiet around residential places. Yes, yeah, so a city, a, a community or city oftentimes um, – band together and become advocates and and put pressure on oh, a city yeah. council um uh, sometimes at on hills where it's it's as John's talking about with safety it's really important for truckers to be able to use the the um the engine compression brake um i we did a story uh, uh it's been a couple of years ago um, I wrote a story on laws regarding engine brakes, and you'd, you'd probably be surprised about the variation of the the amounts of fines um, that that exist from state to state. Um, some states will fine as much as seven hundred dollars, and their fines go down as far as as low as seventy five dollars. But um, one, I guess, just one main idea I remember from that article is that states have or and trucking associations statewide have had some um, some luck with emphasizing that muffler laws need to that, you know putting attention on the muffler um, instead of the the break um, it, it's like John says if you have a decent working muffler oftentimes the engine brake is not going to be loud anyway. Yeah, I think they need to adopt a decibel limit and and make it clear that if that if that setup is properly designed with with the noise standards that apply to trucks anyway in mind, there should be no restriction because it's just not going to make that much noise. Yeah, well, yeah, those things started popping up a while back, um, and all this uh, this technology things we were talking about again is at OverdriveRetro.com. And John, one of those uh, one of those technology advancements I know has to be, and it's going back to if if I remember correctly, as far back as 1965. But that's the turbocharged diesel engine. Absolutely, absolutely. It even it goes back a few more years than that. Cummins was starting to do them about '61, '62, and uh, but '65 was a big year because that's when Mac brought out the Maxidine. But I wanted to to review some of that a little bit because there's several developments that really go together uh, and ended up uh, creating the modern diesel and especially the. The fact that uh, you know you can pull hills and so forth uh, as you never could before. Uh, the turbocharger came out. It was ideal for the diesel. It had been used on World War II aircraft engines. I think that's where it was really developed, and uh, because oh, wow. it increased the power, especially at altitude, of course. But uh, it was ideal for a diesel engine because a diesel doesn't have a throttle. 
putting a throttle after the turbo, which is what you get when you have a turbocharged car engine, is almost self-defeating unless you're really stomping on it. Uh, but on a diesel engine, the turbo can work all the time. And uh, when you combine the turbo with uh, the fact that almost right away they began attempting to cool the air after the turbo compressed it to, it was only 15, 20 pounds in the beginning, but of course now turbos produce more than 40 PSI. Uh, but it's interesting, the uh, they began to cool the air before it went on into the engine. And uh, there was a a guy who must have been awful smart. He was a French artillery officer in about 1820 who actually invented the science of thermodynamics, which is just how you use heat to run an engine, how to do it efficiently. And he said in something like 1820 that you should cool the air during the compression process because you don't want to compress hot air and have hot air in the engine until the time when you start to add the fuel. Uh, so this guy really anticipated what we have today, uh, the, the turbo generating a lot of pressure, which actually generates a lot of heat, 350, 400 degrees and more, just from the turbo compressing it. Uh, Mac in 1982 or so, and Volvo before that, uh, put the charge air cooler in front of the radiator. Before that, they had tried jacket water, which worked all right, but not real well. Mac had some systems that cooled the uh, the air a little more with air-to-air on top of the engine. But uh, the charge air cooler really does a job. So you end up with 40-plus pounds pressure going into the engine, but the air is almost back down to outside temperature. makes the engine a lot more efficient. It uh, increases the power a lot because when you compress the air, make it denser, so it takes up less space, and then you cool it back down. It then ends up expand, uh, contracting even more. It's very comp- easy to jam a lot of air in, and uh, it actually improves the combustion as well. Tremendous power increaser. Well, uh, Mac, after uh, turbocharging their engines, uh, began to do some work. I think it was originally uh, originally occurred in Britain. And they heard about it. And what they figured out, and it was absolutely ingenious, uh, I'm sure that all the the guys who are as old as I am or almost remember the days when the big big thing that they told drivers all the time was, you know, keep the RPM up where it belongs. Don't lug the engine. A diesel needs to rev. And they'd be running uh, 1,500 RPM if they could and more in the lower gears and trying to keep the engine at 1,800, 1,900 when they're cruising. Of course, today the challenge is getting the driver to, to let the engine lug down. It'll give plenty of power, and then it will still and it will give much better fuel economy than if you wind it way up. Well, all this comes from, it began at Mac, began after turbocharging, and Mac discovered that you could play with the amount of fuel going in for each power stroke. On old diesels, it was pretty much constant, but what Mac did was put a curve in there so that as the engine lugged down, the amount of fuel, the pump would actually open up and pump in more fuel each time the engine fired. And when you did that, a traditional diesel would have smoked like like mad if you had done that because as the engine lugged down, 
it just wouldn't be getting enough air. But what, what would happen with a turbocharger is that as the fuel was added, increasing the fuel amount, the exhaust would get hotter. Well, the turbo runs off that exhaust heat. So when the exhaust heated up, it spun the turbo faster, and you got enough air to keep the engine clean. So Max, Max came out with this engine in 1965 called the Maxodyne, and it had what they called torque rise, which meant that even though you were losing RPM, the torque was increasing at the same time just about as fast as the RPM was dropping. Well, if you have double the torque, even if you have half the RPM, it's the same amount of power. So they ended up with an engine that had constant power from about 1,050 RPM up to 2,100, and then they put a five-speed transmission behind it. And it was quite a performer, although it was hard to get a clean shift going uphill in lower gears, but it definitely did run down the road. And you could lug the engine along and save yourself a lot of fuel. Well, then another guy came along. His name was Bob Deal. And he was actually one of the guys who helped me pick the 50 most important developments. He wow. worked at a he worked at a company called Signal Deliveries, and uh, of course he was interested in fuel economy. Well, in the in the old days, I'm sure that the, the older guys remember this. Of course, the engines always had a governor. Well, the governor was what they used to to restrict the speed, and they would gear the truck so that the engine would hit the governor at the cruising speed that the that the fleet wanted the driver to run at. Well, Deal looks at this situation and says, this is ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense to wind that engine at 2,100 RPM every mile down the road. Let's slow the engine down. We either, you know, threaten to kill the driver if he doesn't cruise at the speed we want, or we put on some kind of other speed control, and we gear the truck so that the engine, gear the engine, we give the truck so that the engine will run somewhere in the middle of its operating range, like 1,500 RPM. Well, Bob was using Detroit diesels at the time, and their engineers, reluctantly, they, they weren't sure it was going to work. They thought it would dirty up the injectors and stuff, but they said, well, what the heck, it's worth a try. And they put a similar curve into the, into the pump, fuel injection pump, so that as the RPM dropped, the amount of fuel that went in for each power stroke would increase, and uh, they ended up gearing the truck so the engine would cruise. It was probably 1,500, 1,600 RPM at the time, but when you're doing that RPM instead of 2,100, you end up saving a lot of fuel. So you add all these things together, the very efficient, very powerful, powerful turbochargers, the air-to-air -air charge core that gets that air back down, to almost outside temperature so you can get a lot more air into the engine and it's not so hot when it's being compressed which means it's easier for the engine to compress it and then you put a curve into your fuel system and you end up with an engine that will give you a lot of power as you climb a hill it increases in torque loses very little power you can climb that hill and today, with the new common rail injection systems, which uh, maintain the injection pressure even at low RPM, which is impossible with a traditional unit injector type systems, you end up with a truck that'll just run like mad, and you never have to shift gears, and it saves saves a tremendous amount of fuel. So that's that's one of the big developments that has occurred in 
bits and pieces over the last 50 years. Yeah, um, and, and Lucinda, this this has to be some of that knowledge and passion that's kept Overdrive Magazine going for 50 years that you were talking about earlier. Yeah, yeah absolutely, absolutely. Um, I was going to tell you, Alan, as John was talking, I was on the Overdrive Retro site, and I have emailed you the links to those to the different um, equipment innovations on our site at Overdrive Retro. Oh, okay. So you and Donna have the links now. And if you'd like to uh, post them uh, shortly after the show or some or sometime tomorrow, uh, because readers could then have. Um, of course, John has this. Uh, memorized in his mind and heart uh, all of this knowledge but but the photos and the explanations are very clear and easy to you know easy to follow as uh, on overdrive retro um, that page has a lot of um, we have a section of photo galleries of scans that that uh, we're making all year long on tractors on the covers of the magazines on the girls who were featured in the early days on the advertisements and miscellaneous as well as a weekly feature story about something in one of the old one of the past overdrive issues um and then there's a very special section i want to take a minute to talk about it's readers remember and that's my favorite that's my favorite part of the the entire uh 50th anniversary because readers really do remember um, their early days in trucking. Even just you know, for some, 15 years ago is is um, the what the time period that made all the difference in their lives. Uh, but they they are um, they write in so lovingly about some of the things they've done in trucking despite hard times. Uh, making it in trucking. Um, I've had readers, one uh, woman trucker write in who returned to nursing, but the 10 years or about 10 years she was an owner-operator were some of the favorite of in in her whole um, career. There's just, just about 10 minutes ago I got the quintessential kind of reader remembers a uh, comment that came in on my computer from a man from a trucker named Jim McDowell. Uh, it's just three or four sentences long. I'd like to read it on air if if you'd let okay. me. Yeah, sure. This is the this is the quintessential kind of memory and you'll see why um why we like doing what we're doing. Uh, from Jim McDowell. I remember driving late at night for my dad, illegally, of course, since I was only 16 years old. I loved it back then. Two windows down, no one had air conditioning. If only a person could go back to them good old days. I'm glad with all the new regs they're trying to shove down our throats that I'm ready to hang it up. Thanks for all the memories. My dad's 1966 Kenworth was a runner-up for the Tractor of the Month in 1966. I've still got that copy of the magazine. Thanks mm-hmm. for everything, Jim. Uh, isn't that cool? Yes, yes. And um, so we hope readers continue to to write in to us and and um, tell us about their memories. Send us photos because we're I'm uh, I'm posting those. I posted a feature and a readers remember about a three generation family just last week 
the Ed Kimball uh, family out of South Florida who are uh, produce haulers. And uh, Brian Kimball wrote in to me originally, and he sent many just wonderful photos. Uh, but uh, just to have those memories of truckers, owner-operators, and, and what they've um, why they loved what they did and what the times were like then from their perspective on on the road and making deliveries um, is just it's just fascinating and I think other trekkers really do enjoy reading um, about those days from the from the trekkers perspectives. Oh yeah, and there there really was. I mean, you can't say in trucking for certain that there really was the good old days. And Donna, you know, up on our Facebook, you you got a ton of comments. You know, just people going down memory lane. Oh yeah, it was great. We um, we had over um, almost a hundred comments last night. We wow. we were asked little techie things, and can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh okay. Yeah. And. Um, and then one of, we brought up the Jake break and to see, you know, how many people could remember what year, and there was all kinds of answers. And then we brought up the truck stops. And I noticed you on your article here, um, let's see, it's March 1987. You actually have a, an article about the truck stops. Yeah. Um, and um, anyway, uh, there was all kinds of mixed, um, mixed reviews on, you know, if they were better now or better then. I'd have to say that most of the people back then, um, I mean, that were on last night on Facebook, thought they liked the truck stops the way they were then because they were really meant for trucks, and they feel now they're meant for RVs and four-wheelers, and they said now they're travel plazas. So I, I think they feel like they're almost not – special for truck drivers anymore that they're just kind of tolerated and that that was kind of what i felt on there uh and then they got into i mean there was some that really must must have driven you know like 40 years ago or something they were coming up with some names of truck stops that were really pretty uh pretty funny i asked alan if he had heard of any of them um here's one how about the giant in mexico uh it's I don't know if anybody out there remembers this, but to you new drivers, the pilot outside of Gallup, I guess it was called the Giant, um, you used to get on the radio and they'd come and pick you up in a golf cart and take you to the front door. Now that was class or lazy. It still (laughs) keeps all the way. And I I copied some of these answers, you know, uh, of what people would talk about and remember and of course you know they were getting really all nostalgic and and you could just tell um here's one the old atlanta gate richard wilson said the speed and briscoe and pete's on route 15 in mansfield pennsylvania um and and then yeah and they made all their own breads and biscuits on the spot so i think they missed the mom and pop little truck stops that were really designed for them um, well, I, those, those were the best. I mean, you know, I, I mean, if you the the new drivers today, you know, wouldn't have any idea of what the good old mom and pops were like. Well, there was one called somebody talked about, and I didn't copy it here, but I remember reading it. It was called Big Bertha. I think it was a sixty-four ounce hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's healthy there. Yeah, <laughs> that's healthy. 
Well, you know, one thing, we're winding down here, but one thing, you know, John, that I see, I think about it every time I see one go by me. I don't see them that often, but I think about how technology has changed. And we just have a few minutes here, but every time I see one go by, I think about how technology has changed, and that's the uh, the old disappearing cab over, you know. Now, I, I used to have an old oh, yeah. 75 cab over, and I just loved that truck, but... Uh, that had to do with something with the aerodynamics coming on the scene. You know, that's interesting, but I met a guy named um, Gene Olson in 1989 at International, and he was one of the first, he was probably the first uh, guy who had actually come from the aircraft industry into trucking to improve the aerodynamics, and he told us that the cab over could be made just as aerodynamic as a conventional. Really? I know that's that's not what people think, and when you look at the Kenworth, you know the uh, the T six hundred and its descendants, uh, that would be hard to do. But he he said, you know, if you designed it right, it could be real aerodynamic. And of course, you probably remember the Peterbilt three seventy two, which was a cab over, although it was a lot rounder than most of them. Right. Uh, that was considered to be the most aerodynamic truck ever built at the time. But uh, but obviously, when you look at some of the latest technology in trucks like the T six hundred, it would be it would be hard. But you know, I think that that uh, one thing that we ought to mention just very briefly is a Freightliner Argosy, because that was uh, Jim Hebe's attempt to try to hang in there with a cab over. I always loved the COEs, the uh, the high seating position. I just think they were they were really the cat's meow. And of course, with that truck, you had the optional steps that would would turn out, and uh, it would solve the problem of making that long climb up into the cab on a ladder. You know, it was it was right. a pretty pretty neat truck. But I agree with it. Cab overs, I, the, the thing that I have always heard, the reason that that truckers don't like them or don't like them anymore, is that. It's so much you you want a level floor from the cab to the sleeper. You want to be able to stand up in the driver's seat, make a right turn, and walk back into the sleeper. And you can't do that with a cab over. But right, that makes sense. Yeah. In terms of the seating position and the visibility, although trucks are really good now with the, the sloped hoods for aerodynamics, but they were just a cat's meow, and they hadn't developed steering at the point. Uh, to the point that they have today uh, where they can have these real sharp wheel cuts. So in terms of maneuverability, they had the the advantage there because the wheelbase was shorter. So I just I agree with it completely. They are really, really something else, and I think it's a shame that they went completely out of existence in the U.S. Well, they uh, I tell you, they rode like a tank, but, boy, they were fun to drive. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> absolutely. The, the shorter wheelbase... But, you know, they, they claim that, you know, with the right suspension, long springs, good shocks, uh, they wouldn't ride quite like a long conventional, but they weren't too bad. So yeah. it's, just, it's just one of those things. Well, that's the, that's one of the biggest things I see in technology every time. Every time, every now and then, one will, one, I'll see one out on the road. But, uh, well, we're reaching the end here. Lucinda Coulter, John Baxter, um, Thanks, uh, thanks for coming on the program. Appreciate, appreciate it a lot. Our pleasure. Oh, I really we, enjoyed it. Uh, I enjoyed it greatly. Thank you so much for having me, uh, Alan and Donna. Thank you. 
Well, we're glad to have you. And it, listen, are there any websites or additional information you want to throw out there that maybe I, I, I left out? I know there's OverdriveOnline.com, uh, the 50 years celebration, OverdriveRetro.com. Anything else you want to share? Um, I think that's I I think that's uh, pretty much it for for now. And um, but yeah, Overdrive Retro, you'll you'll be able to find. Um, all of what we talked about this evening, and some very interesting, uh, fun-to-watch videos that our editorial director, Max Heine, um, put together and had help with uh, from with James Gillette, who is our associate editor. So, yeah, those, those would be great to watch. I think readers would enjoy those. Yeah, check back okay. often because it's a moving target. There's going to be something <laughs> new up there every couple of days. <laughs> All right. Well, sounds good. 50 years of overdrive. We'll be looking forward to the next 50. Oh, thanks very much, Alan and Donna. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you, Alan and Donna. All right. Bye. Thank you. Appreciate it. And listen, check it out. It's, I mean, boy, 50 years is a long time, and they're still going strong, and you can see why through the passion and the knowledge, the knowledge all these people have. That's why overdrive has lasted. And like I said, Bill Mack, the legendary talk show host, used, used – uh, used Overdrive to uh, prep for his shows very, very often. So check them out, Overdrive Magazine, overdriveonline.com, and the 50-year celebration, overdriveretro.com. And time's winding down. I just want to remind uh, all of our truckers out there about the uh, seriousness of human trafficking in America. It seems to make headlines in the news nearly every day. And I would uh, urge you to check out truckersagainsttrafficking.com. As long-haul truckers, you can literally be the eyes and ears for fighting back against human trafficking in the U.S. And songwriters David Ayers and Barry Allen are working to bring more awareness about this growing problem through a song they wrote entitled, I'm Not For Sale. So get active, get involved, visit truckersagainsttrafficking.com to find out more on how you can help. And here's John Johnson performing I'm Not For Sale, and Don and I will be right back to wrap up this broadcast of Truth About Trucking Live. It's as old as time and mankind's shame People kidnapped and sold into slavery chains The young and the old With no help in sight Watch as others turn their back And close their eyes And the world looks away From their living hell Doesn't hear the whisper and ignores the yells as another soul cries I'm not for sale I'm not for sale Promises of a new life in a faraway land Only to find out They don't stand a chance They cry out for freedom But they can't find 
Songwriters Barry Allen and David Ayers, I'm Not For Sale. You can check these trucking advocates through the use of songs out at allenairsproductions.com and get involved with truckersagainsttrafficking.com. Okay, Donna, wrapping it up here. Any announcements? Uh, yeah, i got a few announcements. Um, I want to announce our um, the first annual Truck Driver Social Media Convention uh, that will take place on October 15, 2011, in Tunica, Mississippi, at the Gold Strike Hotel and Casino. Uh, this is going to be a first-of-its-kind event for those who are either already participating or are interested in participating in social media, uh, those who see the power of it, those who want to um, apply it to their life, um, also to just gather with people that they've uh, uh, been associating with for a long time, either on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, uh, kind of a meeting place for everybody. Uh, we've, we've tried to, to combine a lot of things in this 16-hour. I mean, it could have been done in two days, and instead we made it a full day and a full evening, the day being, being um, the buffets and the teaching, the speakers, the open panel, the awards, uh, the cash prize gifts that will be given away. And then the evening will be the entertainment. Uh, we're we're going to have um, you know a live band entertainment on board with us. But anyway, um, as you know, the social media has been responsible for major changes as uh, conversations uh, are, are now to go viral around the world. I mean, you put something on a YouTube video or on a um, on a Facebook, and, and if it's a pretty profound statement, it, it's going to go around the world. The most recent being what happened in Egypt. 
uh, I mean, they had a, a whole overthrow of government from one video. I don't know if everybody saw that bit video, but I watched it about three times because it was so inspiring. Um, I mean, it just led anger. It had anger. People got angry listening to it, and then there was a massive demonstration. So on um, on our event on the 15th, this is this is really going to be for people, the movers and shakers, uh, the drivers that really are active uh, in the in the field of social media. Uh, they they want to see positive change in the industry. Um, there'll be an open panel, like I said, uh, in the fields of social me- media, regulatory. Rich Wilson. Um, who was actually at the uh, FMCSA hearings today for regu- uh, regulations for the HOS. Uh, he'll be there to speak. Uh, also, transportation law will have Paul Taylor. Uh, career counseling, James McCormick. Business manage- management will be Eddie Gahucci. Uh, social media will be Trucker Desiree, Desiree Wood. Um, like I said, all day and evening of full 16 hours. Uh, and we look forward to uh, to meeting everybody. So many people that we only speak to on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and everything, LinkedIn. Uh, we really want to meet everybody. Uh, next, we have new sponsors, and I want to welcome them all. Um, first, we have HotelsForTruckers.org. That's Hotels, the number four, and then Truckers.org. And you heard Alan speak about this very needed um, service truckers have been dying for for years, and, and this, uh, this fellow and his wife came up with this, and uh, I've spoken with him, and he is so passionate about it uh, to make sure he gets everything in his database he can possibly have available because he himself was out on the road in in these situations. Um, He's got it where uh, every place will be able to fit a 75-foot truck. So it's not going to be where, you know, you call in, they say, yeah, we have truck parking, and, yeah, they have two spots, and they're talking about pickup trucks. So it's not going to be anything like that. And this is this is going to be uh, a free website. All the listings are going to be on there for free, which is nice. Then for the $10 a year, which I can't believe it's this, this uh, inexpensive, but it is, for $10 a year, you can get an additional 10 to 20% off if you're a CDL driver. And, uh, I mean, if you just use it once a year, you've got your $10 back. So, I mean, it's a no-brainer. I mean, yeah, if you want to just go to the free website, it's awesome and great, but I know we're going to take advantage of the $10 membership because, I mean, even if you just have a CDL and you're out and you're not in your truck but you're a member, uh, you can get your discount. It's nice to know, uh, you know, that that everything's free, though, on the regular website. So that's hotelsfortruckers.org, and that's the number four, not not spelled the other way. Um, Also, we have the Load Post, www.bestloadpost.com, and I know you've been hearing a lot about this. That's uh, for everybody who uses a load board. Um, All I can say is if you're not using the Load Post, then you're losing money. Bottom line, that's it. Uh, thousands of dollars a year. We've spoken to a lot of uh, a lot of owner operators, uh, you know, personally, and they said, "Wow, is this for real?" I mean, they actually can't believe it. So go on the free trial. It's bestloadpost.com. After you do the seven days, you're going to want to join. There's no doubt about it. Oh, and the other nice thing is uh, Mike Weiss, the programmer, the engineer who developed it. He is daily 
making changes. People are giving him some suggestions, and, I mean, this thing's just getting better and better. It's just unbelievable. So, anyway, um, then we have Trans Products, transproducts.com. Rich Wilson, who is going to be one of our speakers at the event on October 15th for regulatory and compliance, and he is the uh, regulatory manager for Trans Products, Trans Services. And... um, Rich was actually at the um, at the hearings today for the FMCSA, and he did not get a chance to speak. And it's really um, it's really a shame because last night he sent us what he was going to say uh, at the FMCSA. It was unbelievable. Um, it talked about the the split sleeper birth. The 34-hour rule, um, all the problems with what you know what they have going on right now. He hit every single thing, and he did not have a chance to speak, and that was a big disappointment. So what we're going to do is we're going to post what he would have said on the Ask the Trucker blog, so that everyone can see. Um, uh, what, what Rich would have brought up to the FMCSA. We did listen to the hearings today. Um, um, a lot of what was brought up uh, were things that we were going to bring up, but since they were already brought up, we didn't. Uh, but it's a shame that he didn't get to say his. And we're very proud to have them as a sponsor because we really feel that um, that Trans Products represents the drivers and the um, and the companies fairly. Uh, with the regulatory and compliance, and their number, and and this is for drivers too, not just companies. If you have questions, it's one eight hundred three six seven nine one zero zero. As far as that, um, you know, Alan went over. He, he talked to you about the truckers against uh, trafficking, and um, you know, we can't say enough about them and the the work they're doing. Uh, the whole the worldwide dilemma uh, we have and the crisis on the human trafficking situation. Um, Other than that, um, I don't think I have anything else tonight, Alan. Okay. Well, sounds good. Well, I appreciate everybody listening on the lines, those in the chat room. Appreciate you being here. Uh, It's kind of a fun show, just 50 years of uh, trucking news with Overdrive. And check them out again at overdriveonline.com and their 50-year celebration at overdriveretro.com and talking a little bit more about this load post imagine at the beginning of each week you could go to a website find a week's worth of loads in advance starting from your home base reloading your trailer after each delivery in the same city you just dropped off a load every time and carrying the final load back to your home base by Friday because we all know you know get eliminating as much deadhead miles as we can obviously is the best business sense so imagine having hundreds of options of trips just like this from which to choose and that all the loads for each trip are displayed right in front of you with contact information so you can book them right then and there by sending an email with a click of a mouse or by calling by phone and imagine that just above each trip you know how many total miles a trip will be and how many of those miles you will have to drive empty Imagine that the total number of miles is over 2,500 and that the deadhead miles are less than 100 and in a lot of cases even zero, no deadhead miles. And you can find up to 400 complete trips just like this, each with all of this information in less than two minutes. So plan ahead and book your loads a week in advance before you even leave home base with a trip that will drastically reduce deadhead miles increase fuel cost savings, and greatly minimize layovers. 
So if you're an owner operator, small fleet owner, maybe one of the smaller trucking companies, you know you got to you got to get that backhaul. Um, Bestloadpost.com. It's the newest technology in freight finding service. So it's not a dream anymore. You can do this now by going to bestloadpost.com. And and one thing I want to stress, it's not just another load board. It's the newest technology in freight finding services for the owner-operator and motor carriers alike. So already have your loads pre-planned and booked, ready to go a week in advance, bestloadpost.com. So check it out. So all right, that will wrap it up here for this evening of Truth About Trucking Live. Our next show will be Thursday, February 24th, 2011 at 7 p.m. Eastern Time when Eddie Gachui of TripSheetCentral.com will be our guest as we will be discussing what I call the ultimate bookkeeping service for drivers and the trucking industry. So our show, Bookkeeping Services for the Trucking Professional, the show you won't want to miss next Thursday, February 24th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Eddie Kachui, developer of TripSheetCentral.com, uh, drove the road, ran over the road seven years, and then he developed this bookkeeping services that just is, will boggle your mind. I got to see a little bit of it in last year when we were in uh, Memphis, and it can it can do everything. It can almost even cook breakfast. I mean, it's just it's just an unbelievable uh, system that he's developed specifically for drivers and the industry. So. Uh, he'll be our guest next time on Truth About Trucking Live, and we'll be looking forward to that. So for Donna Smith, truthabouttrucking.com, com, Blog Talk Radio, and Truth About Trucking Live, I'm Alan Smith. Drive safe, and thanks for listening. <laughs>
tapping me and my burning rig Checked out the damage that was done to the bridge Feeling a little crazy and dizzy in the head Barely heard the words that officer said $10,000 fine and your CDL is gone Better call your mama to come take you home Three million miles and never a glitch The four-wheeler only got a slap on the wrist I'm trying to make a living running the road Loving my family from a cell phone Nobody understands, can't get no helping hand Lord have mercy on the, the trucking brand Trucking brand. 